So let's get into the word, and uh, I want you to go to Isaiah chapter 54. Actually, write down Isaiah 54, unless you're really good with your Bible, uh, whether you're pressing on it or if you're flicking through a page, right? But Isaiah 54, 1 through 4, and uh, if you're here for the first time, we've declared that this is a year of expansion. And as we believe that this being a year of expansion, it's not necessarily an expansion where we're looking for a favor to expand our walls and expand what God's doing here. Uh, that all comes when you seek his kingdom, right? But what I'm, ask, what I'm saying is we're believing that God's kingdom is expanded, that our capacity to believe in God is expanded, that we're able to dream bigger and, and to be bigger for his glory. Amen. And so as we're believing for these things, our theme verse that we opened up three weeks ago was in Isaiah chapter 54, verse one through four, and, and specifically in two and three, but I'll read it here for you. It says, sing barren woman, you who never bore a child burst into song, shout for joy, you who were never in labor, because more are the children of the desolate woman than of her who has a husband, says the Lord. Wow, that's prophetic. Amen. That's prophetic. Then it says in verse 2, enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch your tent curtains wide. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords. Strengthen your stakes. For you will spread out to the right and to the left. Your descendants will dispossess nations and settle in their desolate cities. It says in verse 4, do not be afraid. You will not be put to shame. Do not fear disgrace. You will not be humiliated. You will forget the shame of your youth and Remember no more the reproach of your widowhood. Wow, such a powerful, powerful word given by God to his people. See, when divine expansion takes place, we've been talking about how the stars will arise and they'll begin to shine. There's people that are in this room that God's going to expand in a way like never before. There's people that you're going to look at the least expected people are going to stand tall and you're going to be like, wow, God, you're working with them? What about me? I've been here all day. There's going to be people that are going to stand to our feet where we thought they were just the educated ones, the equipped ones, and God's going to put their hand on them, and he's going to do a miraculous work in certain people. I don't know. That might be you. Say, that's me, God. That's me. I'm believing that. I'm believing that caged destinies will be unleashed. Fallow grounds will be broken. Yokes will be destroyed. Captives will be set free. Territories will be possessed, and there will be revival, recovery, and restoration. How many say Amen. See, the last two weeks we have talked about how in this season of expansion, faith is a choice. God wants us to choose to believe and choose to obey. Faith means not looking at what is visible, but believing that God is almighty. Faith means being obedient even when we can't see results. Faith means action. Faith gives results. Faith is taking God at his word. You may not feel anything, but as strong and as fluctuating as our feelings are, we believe that God's word is truer than anything that I feel, truer than anything I experience, truer than any circumstance I will ever face, truer than anything in the world. That's what we're believing for in this year of expansion, right? That it's going to be his will, amen, that it's not going to be based off of my feelings and emotions, it's going to be based on what his word already says, amen? Now, I want you to now go to Acts chapter 3, and I'm going to read a story that is very familiar. If you grew up in church especially, you may have heard it multiple times, but I feel like God has a word for us today that's going to be a call to action for the people of God. Uh, and it's in Acts chapter 3. And uh, I want you to read from verse 1 through 10. Follow with me. If not, it'll be right here on the screens for you. But the title says, Peter heals a lame beggar. Now it says in verse 1, one day... 
Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer. At three in the afternoon, now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. Just to give you a vision, we all just walked in to what we call, this is the temple of God, this is a house of worship. Could you imagine that someone is placed right at the entrance of our door, right there on the floor, and he's begging for money, for food, whatever it may be. Just picture that for a moment. What would you do in a scenario like that? Would we just wait for someone else to take care of them? Would we do something? Security might remove them. I don't know. So it might be some people that, that might just walk past, and there might be some people that want to help, right? So giving you a picture of what's happening, it's people of God arriving to a temple to make a sacrifice, to give God praise, to go eat in fellowship with people, so they place them in what would be the perfect spot to receive a response of help. Right? Let's keep reading. It says in verse 4, uh, or verse 3, when he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Verse 4, Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Now, I'm going to preach a message. If you're taking notes as we continue expansion for this month, uh, go ahead and write down this question. It's a, it's a straightforward question. Have you been with Jesus? Just write that down. Have you been with Jesus? Question mark. Look at the person that looks like they weren't and just tell them, have you? I'm just kidding. <laughs> Look at your neighbor. Let's do a cliche thing. Look at your neighbor and say, have you been with Jesus? Some of you are like, Let's pray. Father, we thank you once again for allowing us to be here. We thank you for such a glorious moment of worship and your presence being felt. We thank you for the victories from this morning leading into today. We already thank you for love, for hope, for faith in people, for hope to arise, Lord, for salvation to arrive, Lord, that healing begins at the moment we continue this message, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. You receive all the honor and all the glory. Let it be about you. And we say... Amen. Amen. Proverbs chapter 19 verse 21 says, many are the plans in a person's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. How do we believe that? Many are the plans in a person's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. I kind of find that, that scripture a little disrespectful. Because how many have plans, right? Like, you know, let's be honest. What I'm saying is like many are the plans in a person's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. It's kind of telling me that sometimes the plans that I have are not his, right? Sometimes what I want to do are not what he wants me to do or have accomplished through me. He's saying that his purpose will prevail regardless with or without me. Now it says, have you, now, now Peter and John in this moment, they're on their way to church, right? A, a man crippled from birth was carried to the temple gate to beg from those going in and he stops them. Have you ever been on the go and get interrupted during the most inopportune moments, right? Has that happened to you? Especially when you're running late. 
Has that happened? Or or you get a situation arise the moment something's like, I don't have really time for this because I'm really focused on where I'm going. I'm really focused on what I'm doing. I'm trying to focus on what I'm trying to accomplish. But there's an interruption that happens. For parents, it happens every single day. We could be focused on something specifically and our children walk in, right? Or, 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 or there's a problem here and there. And sometimes it can be overwhelming, especially for parents that have more than three children. Or at least a minimum of three, like me. Right, babe? Woo! Sometimes we just like sit there and there's chaos happening all around us. And we just look at each other. We just start laughing. We're just like, <laughs> oh, this is what we call above and beyond blessing. This is what this is. You just start declaring positive things over the situation that's happening in the moment, right? Acts 3.1 describes that the ninth hour of the day, that is three o'clock in the afternoon, as the hour of prayer. I couldn't find no Old Testament command for prayer at that specific time, although Daniel 6.10 speaks of Daniel making it a practice while in exile in Babylon to pray and give thanks to God three times a day while facing towards Jerusalem. However, I did find on Wikipedia. It was a reference, so please don't throw any stones at me, but it was a reference to a Jewish practice mentioned in the Talmud called mincha or minka, meaning present, right? Which is like a present, a gift, which was a term related to a prayer associated with with the meal offering that accompanied each sacrifice in the temple and that took place specifically in the afternoon. So Peter and John are on their way to the temple to make an offering and are stopped by a crippled beggar. Now, now let's go to Acts chapter 3, and I want to read again verse 3 through 7, and it says, verse 3, when he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, and as did John, then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. It's amazing how the, the beggar was probably sitting there just saying it to anybody, probably not even focused on faces as they're walking in, right? Uh, it's like the Walmart guy that's at the entrance as you're walking in. Hey, guy, hey, welcome. Welcome to Walmart. Might not be always looking at you because there's so many people walking in. The beggar is just kind of seeing if someone would bite at the request. So Peter says, look at us. I'm actually standing here. I'm actually begging for what I want. I'm actually asking for something that I probably truly need. So, so Peter takes in attention a moment saying, look at us. I don't know. I felt like God was speaking to us because a lot of times we'll be some, doing some rogue prayers. We'll be asking God for certain things. We're actually believing for certain things, but we're not actually asking it towards God. Where I'm under my breath maybe saying, God, I wish I would get this promotion. I wish this would happen to me. I wish I would get married already. I wish I had this house. I wish, and there's things that you're hoping for, but haven't even gone to the attention and directly to God. Where he's saying, look at us. I I could only imagine the guy said, oh, I'm going to get paid. Finally, somebody has responded. This man is in dire. It's been all his life he's been begging. He's sitting there crippled. He can't stand up. He can't walk for himself. He was brought and placed there. And he says, he's just there, probably just like there asking, just can someone please, I I need someone. And right there, Peter and John Rice say, look at us. And he's finally looking up. And look what he says. He says, uh, uh, Peter says, silver or gold I do not have. But what I do have, I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. Wow, that's powerful. That's like, hallelujah, glory, yay, run, right? I asked myself, why did Peter command healing rather than pray for it? See, Peter expected God to heal this man, but he didn't command God to do it. 
He did, however, tell the man how he should respond to God's miracle. Because this man had been crippled all his life, Peter told him what was necessary to make healing a reality for him. Then Peter helped him to his feet. The man would never have received God's healing if he had not responded in faith. And and as I think to myself, we can preach all we can preach about God expanding, giving us more, giving us more favor, doing all these things, but it will not happen if we do not call to action our faith and actually do something. My dad said something this morning in the message where he was talking about a lot of us, we've received this word for us. And, and how many have already experienced some sort of expansion in your life just already through the start, the first few weeks of this year? Amen. God has been doing some miraculous things. There's things that I would love to just share right now, but it is not the timing of what God has been doing. It's been literally happening before our eyes. And some of us, we've captured what God has pl- placed as a focus for us this year, but we're sitting down. And we're saying, Lord, and, and, and my dad says, Lord, I'm believing for expansion, so I'm going to sit here and wait. I'm going to sit here and wait for it. I'm going to wait for it to happen. I'm going to wait for it to fall into my lap. I love that God can provide a favor like that as well. It's happened for people, right? But the reality is, is God responds to our faith. And so I need to operate in a way where saying, Lord, just as, as, as Isaiah 54, 1 is saying, saying, shout to the Lord, O barren woman, shout for joy. Why am I going to shout for joy when I haven't received the gift yet? Why am I going to shout for joy when my healing hasn't arrived yet? Why am I going to shout for joy when the miracle hasn't happened? Why should I shout for joy when I'm still single? I still don't know what I'm doing. I still don't know where I'm going. Why should I shout for joy? God is saying it is time to expand and enlarge your tent. Start worshiping like you already got it. Start worshiping like you received the healing. Start worshiping like God is already in the midst. And he's saying, stretch your tent, meaning you have to prepare for what's about to come. It's not sit there and let other people do it for you, right? I can't believe for a job and and declare, God, give me a job and just stay seated and don't apply. It doesn't work that way, right? I I can't say, Lord, make me skinny, Right? How many have paid that prayer? I've prayed it. It was like, Lord, let your fat in this meal go to you and the nutrients come to me, right? It's not going to happen if I don't get up and move, right? It's not going to happen. Lord, heal me from high blood pressure, but I keep eating the same. I have high blood pressure. It's regulated now, God, praise God. But what I'm saying is I had to do something about it, right? He's calling to action. Now, silver and gold I do not have, but what I have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Walk. See, later in Acts 4, Peter and John are being challenged by the Sadducees after they healed the crippled men. And they asked, by what power or what name did you do this? They got upset for them using the name of Jesus. I mean, we're used to that, right? That's what's happening today. You saw Houston, Texas quarterback, C.J. Stroud, the first thing that he said when he won that game last week was, I need to give all glory and honor to my Lord Jesus Christ. NBC, MSNBC, and all them said, well, yeah, they cut that part out. Because we can't have that. If he would have said something different, like we believe in the flags, the rainbow, we believe in this, we believe, oh, they would have put that over. Look at C.J. Strauss standing up for equality. Look at C.J. Strauss standing up for this. Look at, but because he said Jesus, cut that out. That's the society we live in today. 
where it's like uh, the moment, and I love it because all of a sudden, like the NFL, something's just been happening, right? It's just people are coming out. Yesterday, the Ravens, the same thing. The coach said, I need a, he quoted Colossians, and he said, and I was like, what is, whoa, like I'm a fan again. Like, you know, just people are starting to say, you know what? We're in a time and an age where we can't stay quiet, where we just stay seated. What God is saying, in order to see expansion, you have to get uncomfortable and start putting to work what I've placed in your hands. In order to see expansion, you got to stretch out that tent. In order to see expansion, you got to get more root in the ground saying, God, I am here for you no matter what. It's real difficult until you have a gun placed on your head, right? That's radical. It's just... See, in this season of expansion, we have to recognize that nothing worth having ever comes easier without opposition. Storms will come, lions will roar, and our fears will be confronted. God allows the path to be difficult because he intends on refining us and preparing us for our place of promise. He is intent on extracting from us that which our enemy would love to leverage against us. Faith is a choice. I read something the other day someone shared. It was an awesome quote where they were talking about we're praying prayers for God to do things that we've already determined God will do, meaning that we're praying for prayers that God do something that, that we're wanting him to do. And when we're, and it was kind of in a twisted way saying, well, yeah, we're believing for God to do certain things. No, but some of us have already determined that God, you will do this in a way where it's already kind of like, God, it's not your will anymore. It's what I want. What God is saying, I, we, we, we're trying to flip this. This is a 2024, if we're going to look for a year of expansion, then it's time to get serious with the things of God. In order to see certain things happen for my life personally, we really got to live out saying, seek his kingdom first and his righteousness. And I've said it three weeks in a row, and then things will be added, meaning it goes to him first, and then God adds. It's about him. Might be a little strong for some of y'all, right? Sorry. No, no, I'm not sorry. See, the name of Jesus is the expression of everything he has done and everything he is and lives to do as our mediator. What does it mean to do, the th- to do a thing in the name of another? It is to come with his power and authority as his representative and substitute. No one would give another the free use of his name without first being assured his honor and interests were as safe with another as with himself. Some of y'all don't like to, you know, it's kind of difficult to give family a favor, to give friends a favor, right? It's like, you know, hey, man, y'all hiring? Yeah. Let me get a job. And you're inside, you're like, you have no character. You're lazy. You're this. It's your family member. You're like, you're just, why? Because my name is on the line. So I'm like, yeah, man, hey, my cousin right here, he needs a job. He just needs a 17th chance to be able to do this. And, and I really feel that this is going to be a good fit. And what happens? Your cousin starts and then doesn't show up, is late all the time, is disrespectful, just, just, just procrastinating. Like all this stuff starts happening, right? And what happens? They're going to walk up to you and be like, what's up with your cousin, man? You, you vouched for him. You vouched for him. And you're looking like, now you see, he's like my second cousin. He's not really blood. He's married to my aunt's friend. You know, he just, right? He's adopted. <laughs> the point I'm trying to make is a lot of us, we're, we're calling out to the name of Jesus. And we're saying, Jesus' name, we want you to do this. And I would hate for Jesus one day to be like, I don't know who you are. Who, who are you? 
to give authority and power to use my name. If I go to my son, there's an authority that comes to me to say son or to my daughter to say, hey, you tell them that dad said, right? Something different. Hey, my dad said, right? It's a little bit different, right? That's something that, 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 this is an internal staff joke that that I I just, I don't like it. I don't like when people put signs in church and says, per Pastor Andres, we don't, I hate that. I'm like, nah, why? Because then the person comes, really? Per Pastor Andres, I can't open this cabinet? You know what I mean? It's like, why? Because they're using my name and my authority to tell you to not do something. No, just put, do not open the cabinet. You know what I mean? That's it. Right? You don't even put my name. Now that someone's like, what's wrong with Pastor Andres? Why well, I can't do that? Right? I, I hate it when I would see that in places I've been to and churches I've been a part of. They put the pastor's name. Why? Because they feel that there's a stamp on it, meaning, ooh, I don't want to, this pastor, I don't want to make sure. And how much more for us where we're, where we're trying to do something in the name of another Jesus? And God is saying, you're trying to use my likeness, my power, my authority only for what you want. Not to live a life, it's a lifestyle. It's a, faith is a choice. It's not just when it feels good for me. And in this season of expansion, we have to recognize that nothing worth having ever comes without that opposition. And so if John 14, verse 13 through 14 says, and I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son, you may ask for me anything in my name and I will do it. Jesus solemnly gives to all his general and unlimited power to use his name at all times for everything they desire. He could not do this if he did not know that he could trust us with his interest and his honor would be safe in our hands. What else does this mean? I mean, simple, for our teenagers in the room, procrastinating and not studying, but then when you're taking the test, you're like, God, help me. Right? For those that are single, sleeping around, but they're saying, God, send the right one. Our prayers, our prayers are, are kind of like, God's like, but you're not the right one. Like, you're, you need to, I've learned, I, I, I need y'all to know that we're probably going to do a love sex dating series workshop on a Wednesday night because we got to, there's a lot of young adults in here that need to hear this. But what I'm saying is that what, what God is asking for, for a, a, a a level of consistency, right? Treat nobody with respect, but then ask God to bring justice to someone for disrespecting you, right? We tend to only use it when we need something. We forget that Jesus tells us the verse right before in verse 12, very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing and they will do even greater things than these. There's always a key to that blessing. There's always from Romans 8, 28, there's a key to that blessing. We love to read verse 13 and 14 saying, just ask it and you will receive it. But it says right before that, for those who believe and are doing my works, then you can ask and receive. If I'm not doing his works, this is a straight up moment for somebody. If I'm not living my life for Christ and he is Savior and Lord leading me all the days of my life, we're not perfect. We're just being perfected. We're not going to always get it right. We're going to have moments where we're going to fall. But God is saying when I'm wholeheartedly, genuinely seeking after his face, God is saying those who believe in me will be doing my works. Those who believe in me will be representing me on this earth. Those who believe in me have access to my name. You can't believe in me and not believe in me, but use my name. 
You can't, you can't, you can be in my church here at Revive and talk about me, but you can't be here serving. It doesn't doesn't work that way. There's, There's a conflict that's there. God is saying, you believe in me and do my works. Then ask in my name and I will do it. See, we have chaos in our lives and we want change in our lives, but, but our lives are out of order. And God is saying to see change and to see things minimized in our life, you need to put your life in order, putting him first. Amen. See, we're not acting in the name of someone who is absent. Jesus himself is with the Father. When we pray to the Father, it must be in Jesus' name. The name represents the person. The name and the spirit of Jesus are one. To ask his name is to ask full union of interest, life, and love with himself as one who lives in and for him. See, last week I mentioned how my prayers have shifted in 2024, saying, Lord, just say the word and it will be. And I'm choosing to stand in hope and faith, understand that all things both in heaven and on earth are subject to his authority and his power. See, your love for Jesus will cause three reactions, respect, turmoil, or hate. Respect, turmoil, or hate. My father taught me that people will always criticize what they don't understand. Some of y'all don't even know why you're criticizing something. You're just like, I don't know why. It's just because... So-and-so told me, TikTok made a video and this 17-year-old girl saying something and I believe her. So now you start criticizing. You have no idea why you're criticizing. You have no idea you have a critical spirit because we criticize things we don't understand. How many have found themselves? I've been like, yeah, I don't understand what. You're like, oh, Jesus, Lord, Holy Spirit, convict me, right? Fruit of the Spirit, fruit of the Spirit. How many pray that? Fruit of the Spirit, fruit of the Spirit, love, patience, kind, joy. You're all your fruit of the Spirit. You're thinking all these things, gentleness. Like, you know. And criticism breeds ignorance. If you feel the need to criticize something, it might be your lack of ability to find the meaning behind it. But when you surrender yourself completely to God and let go means he shall increase while we decrease. See, total surrender to God requires total humility. A heart that is devoid of pride and a heart that recognizes that there is nobody better at running our lives than the one whose ways are higher than our own. Psalms 37 verse 7 says, Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. And all the singles say, So glad you're listening to our podcast, and we're believing it'll bless your life. And our desire is to impact more souls with the gospel of Christ. If you want to join this mission and want to give today, we will be so grateful. And you can do so by visiting our website at www.revivecolleen.com or text GIVE to 844-462-9071. Now let's get back to the message. Some of y'all said it angry. Like, Let me read it again. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret when people succeed in their ways when they carry out their wicked schemes. Another version says surrender yourself to the Lord and wait patiently for him. See, surrendering your life means following God's lead without knowing where he's sending you. Surrendering your life means waiting for God's timing without knowing when it will come. 
Surrendering your life means expecting a miracle without knowing how God will provide. Surrendering your life means trusting God's purpose without understanding the circumstances. See, Peter and John fully trusted in God and commanded healing. They remained undaunted in the midst of their critics. If you go to Acts chapter 4, he says in verse 13 and 14, this is after they've asked them, in whose name? Right? See, because after this happened, the man who was healed is jumping and he starts praising God. And people start hearing what's happening and, and they start like what, asking, what, what happened? Oh my God, that was the man that has been paralyzed all his life. Those who knew personally, intimately, those who saw as they walked by, that was the guy we just walked by. Oh my God, he's walking. Look at him praising God. And, and, and what was beautiful is that 5,000 people got added to the church after that miracle. 5,000 people. They didn't have no microphone, no speakers. How did the 5,000th person out there heard because the presence of God was felt so thick through a miracle that had just happened? See, where two or three are gathered, he's there. And the beauty of seeing a miracle happen caused people to believe. And they responded by faith, like, oh my God. Those are the men that walked with Jesus. Those were the men, those are the disciples. And now they're asking him, in what name? And so Peter, the bold Peter, he, he starts sharing, yeah, I'll tell you what name, because y'all were the ones who crucified him. He starts going in. If you just read all Acts chapter 3, verse 1 through chapter 1, 2, 3, 4, in chapter 3, he just starts going in on, on, on the Sadducees. He's like, yeah, because of y'all, you crucified our Savior, but it was all in his plan. I'm saying it in my way, but it was all in his plan, and he rose again, and it was part of his purpose, and there's no man that can be saved without the name of Jesus. He starts saying all these things, preaching, and people are listening, and they're believing. The boldness of Peter and John in this moment caused 5,000 people to be added. There's already starting to happen a majority of people are starting to come around. Now he's in front of these religious leaders and they're asking him. It's amazing that it, it just, there's a period in there in Acts chapter 3 where they arrested them and they had to wait till the next day to be seen. Here's another one. If you look at Paul, it's happened to Paul all the time where it's, a, it's happened in moments where it's like, I'm doing your work and your will. And I'm now arrested? And still was bold in front of them to say, this is what I was doing and why I did it. It says in Acts chapter 4, verse 13, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished. And they took note that these men had been with Jesus. Other versions say they were common men. They took note, these religious, uptight, tight-pant-wearing men were sitting there going like, what is it? I don't see. They're holding the scrolls. And, and in what name did you do? They could not explain. We've been in this temple doing this for all the, and they added 5,000 in one day. That's expansion. And he's looking, he's going, oh my God, like they're uneducated. Uneducated is from the Greek word, root word, 
agramatos, and common is from the Greek root word idiotes. Together they mean Peter and John had no formal training in rhetoric or Jewish theology. Culturally, it shows the deep disrespect groups like the Sanhedrin had for lesser people. It wasn't their education. They had no formal religious training. It wasn't in their credentials. They had none. It wasn't in their religious pedigree. They didn't have one. It was in the spirit-filled boldness that was born out of knowing Jesus. And it's been well said that a crisis never made a man. It only reveals what he already is. Is in this case, the crisis of their arrest revealed the truth about Peter and John. The religious leaders couldn't figure them out. They couldn't deny the healing. They couldn't deny their boldness. Why were they not intimidated? How when did the, how then would, would they be able to explain these men? How could these uneducated, ordinary men make such an impact? Why were they not intimidated by their arrest? How could they dare speak so freely what is their secret see when the religious leaders considered all the facts they came to one simple conclusion they had been with Jesus they had been with Jesus see in this year of expansion may the conclusion of those around us be that we have been with Jesus can people tell that you've been with Jesus can people tell see I've been in leadership for a long time to know I've, I've, I've talked in youth and young adults and, 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 and older families and things like that where I know when a leader is out of pocket I know when there's something happening because they're not doing their devotionals they're not doing moments with God and, and, and all of a sudden you see more so a carnal response a little attitude right I'm not just talking about them, me too. Where there's moments where you're like, have I been with Jesus? Have I spent time in his word? Have I spent time listening to something that edifies my life like worship may do? Or am I just bombarded with shows and TV and with people and just working hard and, and play hard and, 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 and grind and this and that. And that's all I'm focusing on. And, and, and the, all they had to do was all that they saw. I don't have silver and gold, but I have something that will save your life. And his name is Jesus. I should encourage everybody in the room. You don't have to be a pastor. You don't have to be a leader in a church. As a matter of fact, you don't even have to be serving in a church. That's a little bold for me to say as a pastor. Like, we want you to serve. Come and join us. Be a part of what God's doing here. No, no. What I'm saying is that God can use you right where you are. In your job, in your family, in your schools, in everywhere you step foot, God has called you to be a disciple of men. No matter where you may be, God can use you. That's why I'm be transparent. I don't put pressure on my kids that they have to be pastors and have to be evangelists and have to be worship leaders. No, I'm praying that God unravels within them whatever calling that you have in place. But baby girl, if you want to go to college, go to college. If you want to go play sports, go play your sports. But while you're doing those things, that the people around you know that you have been with Jesus. 
Success is not shown that I'm on this stage. Success doesn't show that I'm holding a sign. It may be for some that says, God, you saved my life, and that's why I do what I do it for you. And so people can know about your love. That's why I serve in the church, and it's very important to do so. But don't get caught up saying my ministry hasn't happened when your ministry is first him. It's first him to look and seek for him. And through that, my family will be saved. And when my family is saved, it bleeds out into everything else I do. Stop seeking and searching for a ministry. When God is saying, seek and search for me, I will give you the plan. I will give you the word. We get caught up on that. There's been people I've been talking to for 20 years saying, yep, I'm going to be a pastor. Well, what are you doing? My dad said something this morning. He was like, when God called him to a pastor, it was dragged. I was like, yeah, me too. We were dragged into this. It was like, just do it. No. <laughs> I want to use my gifts and my talents to be an executive. Like, you know, I don't want to do this. I want to use, Lord, what you've given to me to be a, a director, you know, or I want to be a VP. I want to be that guy. You know what I'm saying? And God's like, no. <laughs> you want this? Does God want this? Is God calling you to something? Man, it'd be right there in your own home, your neighbors. Have you witnessed to your neighbors? Do your neighbors know that you have been with Jesus? Does your best friend know that you've been with Jesus? Does your coworkers know that you've been with Jesus? I'm not talking about that you gotta be a radical with holding a 30-pound Bible walking around. I'm not saying all that. I'm saying, do they know that in my reaction, in the way I, I, I respond, in the way I treat people, in the way I work, in my integrity, in my character, do people show something? Do I reflect something different? Am I one of those ones? And some of us, y'all, y'all know what I'm talking about. You get messages all of a sudden from people saying, hey, I need to talk to you. I, I feel like, what? I've been seeing what you've been posting. Like, I see how you're living your life. And they, what is it? What's going on? Can you pray for me? And you're like, and for you, you're just kind of, I don't feel as qualified to do this. I mean, no, no, God's calling you to maybe bless somebody, to pray over somebody. Say, Lord, if you did it for me, then God, I pray for my friend that you could do this for them as well. Have you been with Jesus? Many heard the message believed, so the number of men who believed grew to 5,000. See, no fact is more important for our consideration today. All around us, we see signs of the diminishing impact of Christianity on our culture. We, we bemoan the advanced secularism as we watch the crumbling of social institutions that have stood in place for thousands of years. And we wonder why Christians have lost influence in society. I think this verse offers us a very clear answer. See, the early Christians turned the world upside down because they had a life-changing encounter with Jesus Christ. And that single fact explains the boldness of the first generation of believers who took the gospel from Jerusalem all across the Roman Empire and they would not fit into the ordinary categories of religion. It was more than just knowledge. It was more than a few prayers. It was more than religion as a hobby. It was something that produced a dynamic power that transformed ordinary men into bold witnesses for Christ. Yet it had nothing to do with a degree or a seminary education. So you could be around Jesus and yet not be with him. Around but not with. Around Jesus but not with him. 
There's a difference between being around Jesus and being with Jesus. There's a difference being around Christians and being with Jesus. There's a difference being around Christian events and being with Jesus. There's a difference being around the church and being with Jesus. I could send all of our leadership here to a conference to be impacted creatively, you know, to be creative, to be better at their responsibilities and all that. All of that could be great, but if Jesus is not at the center, That's something that we're challenged with this year, right, mom, dad, right, Maria? That God, we want to walk with people that are submitted. I'm talking to leaders, wholeheartedly to his work. Where faith is a choice to say, God, we will see that building before the end of the year. God, we're believing for expansion in our kids and our youth ministry. God, you will send the equipped to say, Lord, we are here to build your church. God, we are here to be the light in this city, not a light to our name. God, we will be here to point people towards you and what you've already done, what you've already accomplished, what you've already promised. We are victorious. We have victory in our hands. See, the disciples had been with Jesus. And they knew intimately, and that changed everything. Even their enemies could see the difference Christ had made in their lives. See, we might call this the doctrine of unconscious influence. We don't know what others know about us. Often, we are not good judges of our own influence, and others will see things about us that we do not see about ourselves. We are not told that Peter and John said, we have been with Jesus. They didn't even say that. That would be true if they did. It would not be boasting because it's the truth, but they didn't say anything like that, that this is nothing more than ordinary obedience. It happens when honorable men do the right thing. What Jesus of Nazareth had possessed before they executed him, he had somehow passed on to these disciples. These men had been standing in the light and now their faces radiated the glory of God. And the point is, what we might lack as human beings can be more than overcome by the omnipotence of Jesus. So this message today really, we're already believing that God's going to do expansion. We believe that God is telling us to prepare, stretch your tents wide, enlarge in your stakes, like do not move, stand firm, plant them in deeper. I believe we got the assignment, but there's a call to action for the people of God because we love prophecies. We love it. Some of us, we chased after and we'll go to conferences just to please speak to me, God. Do you really want God to speak out loud for you? I was always afraid growing up Pentecostal that God would speak. I was always afraid because I felt like God was going to call me out of what I'm doing wrong. He's like, you, son, come to the front. And I'm like, oh, no, please. He's like, stand to your feet. Because I experienced it. He's like, God sees what you're doing in the darkness. I'm like, oh, Jesus. <laughs> Forgive me, Lord. I mean, those who grew up like that, y'all don't want to talk about God sees you. You know, you're like, I was always afraid of moments like that because I felt like he was going to call out what I'm doing wrong rather call out what God's word says. And some of us, we receive that type of abuse. 
Some of us, we really were convicted. Yeah, I'm wrong. Let me just eat this up. <laughs> because it's, I'm, I'm being honest with you. Any preacher can come up here and say, you've been in disobedience. Someone in this area says you've been in disobedience. That's easy. It's a blanket statement. One of y'all have been in disobedience. Right here in the middle, I feel that you didn't trust God this week. Over here to the right, God's favor is upon you. Something's going to happen this week. That could be manipulation. <laughs> I'm not trying to just trash all those people that said that in the past. What I'm trying to say is like, man, God is asking of us to have the same boldness that Peter and John had. That they didn't command God to heal this man. They said, I already know what my God can do. That in the middle of my situation, I get a note that I might be laid off this year. Father, you have all authority and honor. You've seen my integrity. You've seen what I do. I know you are in control. That you receive bad news because of a health scare or something like that. Father, you are the final word. By your stripes, I am healed. When you receive a, a situation with a family member, there's a, there's a breakup, there's a, there's a clash between families. Say, God, you know where my heart is. Guard my heart. Hold it together that I can show the love of Christ in this situation. Bring restoration to my family where you're in the middle of chaos and you can still stand firm and say, God, your word says I may feel this way, but your word is truer than anything that I feel. Stand up and walk takes faith. I want to see expansion. I need to expand my ability to believe. I want to see expansion. I need to expand my ability to believe in faith that God will do this. I, I want to see expansion in my life. God is saying, I need you to come towards and give me your life. So let me pray. Father, we just come to you in this moment. So I give you this message. That is, we're believing for all the good things for us personally, for this house, this church, for every family member that has walked through the door. That we don't forget that it's all about you. That we can have faith even in the unknown, that we can trust even when it hasn't happened yet, that we can believe even though those around us don't. We just ask you in this moment, God, to bring forth in our minds and in our hearts things that we got to release to you. Things that I've been holding on to, trying to figure out on my own. God is saying, release it to me. Lord, that dreams start reviving in Jesus' name. Lord, that we can grab hold of the focus of this year, Lord be more like you, to seek you more, to walk with you faithfully, to be able to say at the end of 2024, saying, God, this was one of my greatest years because I seeked you. I went after you. I want you. I want more of you. Have these tugs in our hearts right now to do the right thing. If we want to see change, and we got to put things in order. 
want to see certain open doors and we have to close some doors. We want to see the right person that we have to let go of the wrong ones. Lord, that when people see us, that they know we've been with Jesus. And it draws them to you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. If you can stand to your feet, we're going to close out here. And uh, You know, this message is a call to action. I want you to understand that we all have situations in our lives that we're going through in this moment that are dire. And some of us, we may question, Lord, I've been faithful. I've been believing in you. I've been, I've been seeking after you, but God, this continues to happen. This comes, why hasn't this happened yet? And why is this happening to my children? Why is this happening to my life? I, there's things that are just all over. I've been trying to put things in order and just, man, life is heavy. I'm believing that God's going to meet that need. God's going to arrive in a way that you would least expect. It's beautiful to know that there was a moment when Jesus tells his disciples to go get on the boat and go to the other side. Give me some time. And what happens? A storm happens and they see a figure that looked like a ghost walking towards them in the water. And you've heard it, right? And they look, they find out, oh my God, that's Jesus. Jesus is walking on water. And it's amazing to know that their prayers in a moment of chaos was save us. One of the least things I would have expected was Jesus walking on water towards them. I would have thought, like, save us and his miraculous power stops the storm. Everything gets normalized and we're... It's calm. Oh, thank you, Jesus, wherever you are, thank you. No, he comes walking on water. God will always arrive in a way you would least expect. You might be praying for something specifically right now, and he will blow your mind in another way because he's seeing things that you don't see. He's, he's moving things that you have no idea are being moved. He's saving you from things you'll never know he saved you from. He's moving, removing, adding. He's in the profound doing something that you would not know. That's why God is saying we should be of a people that are always giving him praise because you have no idea what he's protecting us already from. To say, God, I thank you for today. And the most simplicities of things that we do every day, like drive from point A to point B, God, you kept me safe from point A to point B. God, you, you took care of my child when they went to school and they came back home. God, there's so many things we can give God thanks for that maybe we take as simple things. It's a call to action. You may be feeling a tug in your heart like, man, you know, conviction is good. I don't believe anybody here is being condemned. Conviction, where it's a call to action. I'm, I'm being moved to do something to change something, to accept something. So right where you're at, every head bowed, every eye closed. I just want to give you an opportunity right now in a service like this where we're believing for revival, recovery, and restoration in this year. <laughs> that there's things that God's going to return to you that you felt the enemy stole. 
in an instant you'll see expansion like never before. But it starts with my yes to God. My life wouldn't be the same if it wasn't for him. So I want to give you that opportunity today. Do you trust him in the middle of your pain? Do you trust him in the middle of your chaos? Do you trust him in the middle of what you feel confused and doubtful about? Do you trust him through your anxiety? Do you trust him through your failures? Do you trust him through what hasn't happened yet? And if it's been burdening your heart to accept what we're believing for in this year, it's your opportunity to say, Lord, I give it to you. I want to walk with that authority and that boldness that Peter and John did. So my first call, I'm going to do two calls. My first call is a call to salvation because it all starts right there. Peter specifically says there in Acts chapter 3, he explains where 5,000 were at it. Even before that, when the Holy Spirit broke out in chapter 1, 3,000 were at it in that moment when they received what was, was in that moment where all of a sudden they started speaking in different tongues and, and the people started arriving. It's beautiful. Just read Acts chapter 1 through 3. And, and, and to see, says, there's no other name by, when, by whom you could be saved and it's only the name of Jesus. So accepting him is the first step. It's like the first, it's the foundation, it's the cornerstone saying, Jesus, I make you Lord of my life. And when you make him Lord of your life, man, we have a redeemer, we have a mediator, we have someone that will be savior in our life, that will save us from our bottomless pit. And he will use unordinary, common, uneducated people to do his work. It's the beauty of God. He uses the least expected to do the most. So if you feel that in your heart saying, you know what, I need to make things right. Maybe I've never received Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Or maybe I have, but man, you can wholeheartedly say 100%, my life has been dedicated to him. He is, he's everything. We're not preaching religion to you. God is calling because he loves you and wants a relationship with you. And if that's you today, right where you're at, with no one looking, say, Pastor Andres, today I want to make a decision to make things right. I want to put my life in order. I want to accept him and make him Lord of my life. If that's you, I'm just going to count to three. And you just lift your hands right where you're at. One, two, three. If that's you saying, today I'm giving my life to Christ. I'm giving him my life. Wholeheartedly, I'm giving it all to him. I, I can't. Maybe you're coming back saying, you know what, I did before in another church, but man, life happened, a relationship happened, a job happened, I happened, whatever it was. You're saying, today, I'm putting myself to the side. Lord, I want you. If that's you and you're saying, today, I'm coming back to Christ, just lift your hands right where you're at. If that's you.